Welcome to Flip the Script. Today's episode is all about the effects of substance abuse on kids and how it affects us growing up, the trauma that it causes. I am passionate about this episode and I hope that it will resonate with you. As a child who grew up with both both parents who had substance abuse um, addictions, it was really hard to navigate the world of how to feel, what to expect next, how to react, how to be, um, dealing with the unpredictability, having to be hyper vigilant, and also not really ever feeling safe or being able to trust that the environment that you're in or you're about to go into is safe for yourself or the people that you love. And so I hope that this episode will shed some light on what the effects look like and if it sounds familiar to you and you think you may be holding on to some trauma due to your childhood experience with parents who suffered with substance abuse, I invite you to lean in, get curious about how that may be impacting you so that you can get on a healing journey that works for you and feels right for you. Thanks for being here. Welcome to this episode of Flip the Script. As I continue my mission to dig inside the world of unhealed trauma and its effects in our lives, the way it manifests itself and shows up when we least expect it, or sometimes we do expect it, I'm excited to be having a conversation today with Shannon Bryant. Shannon is a certified life coach and the hostess of the Top Self podcast. She supports adult children of alcoholics through their personal development journey. Shannon is no stranger to childhood trauma, and I look forward to having this conversation with her. Thank you for being here. So welcome, Shannon, to Flip the Script. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm grateful that you're here with me on a lovely Monday evening. Yes, it is. Mm. So I have been, you know, fascinated by how childhood trauma rears its head in our lives and manifests itself, um, you know, in our adult lives. And because I've spent so much of my life just hearing people say things like, well, you know, that's, that's the way I am or this is how my parents were. So this, this is how it is, or this is genetic and whatnot. And it's so fascinating to dive into this, this whole world. But before we dive into our conversation and specifically the topics I want to speak about with you today, what is your firsthand experience with childhood trauma? Sure. So I am an adult child of an alcoholic. My father was an alcoholic. Um, and so I grew up in that environment. It was certainly a chaotic environment, unpredictable. There was quite a bit of violence, um, even with my older brother, um, you know, as he would jump, you know, try to jump in and, and sort of 
be a rescuer to my mom. Mm. Um, so that's that, that was the environment that I grew up in. And how did that make you feel as, as a kid growing up in such a hostile environment? Did you feel safe? Did you feel like you had to be on guard all of the time? Yeah, there are so many things that you develop when you're in that type of environment, you know, and one is just that, of course, is school age years. And so it's really hard to focus on, you know, um, multiplication and division and learn Mm -hmm. history when when your environment is so chaotic, you're either thinking about and and worrying about what happened the night before, or you're worried about what's going to happen tonight. And you just never felt safe. I, we moved around a lot just Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, that, that was the situation we'd move around a lot or my parents would split up and then they'd get back together. And so it was, you never really get comfortable and you can't enjoy your childhood as a lot of children are able to do. And so even from, you know, not being able to focus in school and feeling like I don't have a ton of memories from my childhood like that in terms of the things that I learned. And so even as an adult, there were things that I had to go back and learn just because I couldn't focus in school. And I can so relate to that. Yeah. yeah. Also the, I'm not sure if, you know, for you, this resonates, but for me is having the expectation that your parents or one of your parent will show up for things that are meaningful and important, like a piano recital mm-hmm. or a school play and never having that. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's that constant turmoil too, of, you know, I want them there because they should be there because that's my yeah. parent, but, but I don't like, want them there. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So exactly. yeah. Are they going to show up drunk or high or you're never, you never know. Right. And even having, you know, friends spend the night, I think I had one girlfriend who, you know, growing up would spend the night and that's just because unfortunately I think her home life was like that too. And so she was kind of used to it. But aside from that, it was just, you never really wanted anyone to spend the night because you weren't sure what was going to happen. And you didn't want to go spend the night somewhere else because you were afraid, you know, for in my case, my mom and and my brother and what would happen if I wasn't there. Hmm. What did you what did you learn or, you know, how were you affected by this mm-hmm. later on in life, you know, after high school and into college, how did this affect your relationships or what nuggets did you observe as a kid that you were like, I'm definitely not ever going down this path? Right. Well, and that's a great question. Cause I think so many of us say, you know, in these situations, I'm definitely not going to be like them, you yeah. know, and, or we're all or nothing. I'm never going to yes, right. drink. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a lot of people may take it, you know, in one really strong direction. And unfortunately there are a lot of behavior characteristics though, that come along with growing up in that environment, because that's what you're taught. That's what you see. And so there may be things, you know, we can say, I'm never going to drink because I saw what happened, but you still may have 
quite a few of those behavior characteristics because you were in that environment. And so for me, um, you know, I, I had a lot of issues with relationships. I had very low self-esteem. I didn't, I wasn't confident in, you know, in my job, I wasn't confident in relationships, um, and really even my own decision-making. So, yeah. And sometimes that really keeps you in those unhealthy relationships because there'd be times where, you know, someone in a relationship would do something and I may get upset about, but then I question, you know, well, is that just because I'm the way that I am? Right. Or is this truly something that generally people would be upset about? And so that often just kept me in relationships that were unhealthy for me. Um, and that, that feeling of, do I really deserve the good stuff? Yeah. Like that Mm -hmm. feeling not good enough and not worthy, you know, having to hide our home environments and our lives and our truths from most of our lives causes us to be hyper vigilant. And so the ability to open up in a relationship and be a hundred percent vulnerable and authentic. It's like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's always this, we're always gatekeeping yeah. this part of us. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's, you don't want to share it because the other pieces it, you feel as if it's an embarrassment on you, you know, whether yeah. you didn't cause it, it wasn't something that you did, but you just feel embarrassed about it in a lot of situations. So that's part of it. And then also really guarding yourself. Um, in my case, I, you know, my parents divorced when I was 12 and at the time my dad was still drinking. And I told him at 12 years old, I don't want to see you or speak to you while you're still drinking. And Mm -hmm. He took that to heart. Um, and truly I didn't speak to him again until I was almost 25 years old. And so there was some feeling of abandonment even in that too. And so, um, not understanding how can he be choosing liquor over his child? Yes. I mean, it's, it's a really hard kid to understand addiction. Exactly. You don't understand, you know, why they would choose to, to do that versus have a relationship with you. Um, as a child, you you don't understand the disease. You don't understand, you know, what's going on. All, you know, is this person that was supposed to love and care and protect you is not doing those things. A hundred percent. And do you feel that your confidence was directly impacted by your relationship or lack of relationship with your father? I do. I think that, you know, for me, it was not having, as you kind of mentioned that self-worth. And so in my head, I had this limiting belief forever. And this story that I just would tell myself in my head that, well, gosh, if my own parent doesn't love me, especially my own father, then why would anyone else? else? And yeah. And even knowing as you get older, like "Mm, that maybe doesn't really make sense. 
until you kind of really dive in and do the work, it's still that feeling. You just still have that feeling and it's the story that you tell yourself. Yeah. And when something shitty happens, you're like, yeah, well, of course. Right. (laughs) Right. Of course that, yeah, that, that, of course that's going to happen to me. Or you have a fight in a relationship and it brings back that feeling of unworthiness. Uh, Mm -hmm. And you're like, yep, yep. That's it. I knew it. I was right. You know? Yes. You, you continue to prove yourself. Right. And, you know, they say that a lot of children who suffer from trauma, especially, um, you know, this kind of emotional abuse can develop narcissistic like traits. Mm -hmm. And so part of your story that resonated with me is you said you had issues with jealousy. Yes. That's um, yes that I dealt with firsthand. And it wasn't until I, you know, dug in and did the inner work and went, oh crap. Yes. Um, yeah. Can you share with me a little bit about that? Yeah. I um, you know, I was the best girlfriend to have for about the first two months until <laughs> I actually, I mean, I was I love your honesty. So cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was super cool. Um, all of that for about the first 60 days and, or, you know, whenever it was that maybe I started to develop some feelings. Mm. And as soon as those feelings started to develop, it was just this switch in me of now I'm in panic mode because I'm worried that this person is going to lie to me, to cheat on me, to leave me. And then I became very controlling very jealous. And I think jealousy is something that we don't talk about enough because it's kind of one of those things where it's, it's embarrassing to say, so right. We don't talk about it enough. No. And And make it cute when we do, you know, say things like you better have your phone on you all the time. Cause when I call, I need you to pick up (laughs) cute. Uh (laughs) No, not cute. cute. Not cute. Crazy. Not cute. Right. Exactly. And, you know, as you mentioned, if you've experienced it before, it doesn't feel cute either. It feels like a prison almost like it feels you can't, you feel as if you can't control those things, like asking constant questions, you know, getting into someone's phone and, and seeing where they are. Like you want to prove, you want to prove yourself, right. Yes. But it's on such a deep subconscious level. The last thing you want is to be hurt, but you're so sure that you're going to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm, I remember in particular this one incident, and I wasn't very old, but it was with my first real, you know, serious boyfriend. And I remember one day being on the city bus, and this girl, we were just sitting in the back of the bus, and this, you know, young girl our age just got up and walked right in front of him. And of course, he lifted his head, but for me, his head was direct eye line with her butt right his head spun around <laughs> stared at her yes all of that you know, and that's not what like he just lifted his head this girl walked by and boom her butt was in his face I still feel horrible for the way I went off and I remember to the point where he was almost on the verge of tears and as we're walking down the street he said well what would you have me do do you just want to blindfold me would that make you happy because I'll do it yeah. 
And yes. at that age and not having done any of the work, you're just kind of like, yeah, well, if you're going to be a disgusting perv, yeah, yeah, I'm going to blindfold you. <laughs> you know? like, oh my God, can you imagine this poor human being who literally like they have nothing, nothing mm-hmm. for us to say about this person. And it was definitely a situation of, but you know, I was awful and it was almost yes. this this feeling of rejoicement inside of me when it happened of, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Yes. And yeah. uh, gosh, we, we must have had the same book. I think Emma, because that's exactly, I mean, yeah. you, this just overreaction and you, you know, the situation may not, as you said, like in your mind, her butt was right in his face. Right. And that probably wasn't even the case, but that's what you see. That's what I saw, but she clearly, Mm -hmm. you know, because I've reviewed and revisited the story in my head because I feel, you know, when you hear those words, would you like to blindfold me? Um, it's, it impacted me, you know, it imprinted on me and she walked in front of him. And how many times do you see that you're, you're in a restaurant, you're in any time, anybody who's ever been to Disney World who goes on a ride, someone walks in front of you, they have, you know, their ass in your face. What are you going to do? Yeah. It was, but how many situations and scenarios to the point where he was uncomfortable walking with his head up high because I was constantly looking in his direction. Yeah. You were constantly monitoring him. you know, yeah. and I would see a beautiful woman walk by. And the first thing I would say was I thought that if I pointed out something wrong with this, this woman, this gorgeous woman, mm. flawless human, mm-hmm. if I was the first one to point it out and say something really shitty about her, and then he would look, then it would make it okay. Cause the conversation we would have would be about how shitty or fake she looked. Right. Does that resonate? It does. And that is the bad part about jealousy because it's on, it's, you know, three, three legs. You feel like a horrible person, even though you're doing it, you feel horrible. It makes you feel bad. It's uncomfortable. You're also making your partner very uncomfortable. Like you mentioned, like now you're changing his behaviors and what he would naturally do. And we're degrading it or not, you know, we're talking down about other women just, mm-hmm. just because to make ourselves feel good. And it didn't because in my mm-hmm. heart, even though I was suffering and tormented in my heart, I knew that she was a beautiful girl or a beautiful, you know, yeah. or whatever it was, but I was convincing myself mm-hmm. of all of the yeah. negative things. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And jealousy is tricky. Like I said, I don't think that there is enough out there about jealousy and how we overcome it other than, you know, really doing the self-awareness and self-management things. And that's primarily um, what I do in my coaching business, but, but it's, it's difficult. And I don't think that we talk about it enough. And as you mentioned, or if we do, we kind of spin it in a way that, um, sounds like it's okay. And it's not. Yeah. Yeah. What was the pivotal point for you where you kind of hit rock bottom and you knew your behavior had to change or you were going to be doomed, you know, to a life lifelong of relationships that were just unhealthy and toxic. 
Yeah. Um, so when I first started dating my husband, or at least early on, um, and we've been together 13 years now, but when, in the beginning, when we were dating, it was when I still had some of that going on and I saw it kind of creep back up again in our relationship. And I knew in my heart that this, you know, it, it wasn't the same. And I could just tell that this was just me, you know, he wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary. He actually, um, you know, was incredibly stand up man. And so I explained to him how I felt and kind of what my issues were and my past. And so we started going to therapy, but the pivotal point, um, I don't know whether to say therapy worked or it didn't work because we were so bad. We would, we would get into an initial argument because of me. Um, and then we'd have the argument again in counseling, and then we'd have it for a third time about anything new that came up in (laughs) therapy or counseling. So it was like, but we we were kicked out or asked to not come back <laughs> from therapy. That's how bad we were, Emma. So, um, yes. And <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. Me neither. Um, but we sure were. Um, and you know, she was, she was very kind in her delivery of, I think we've hit the point that this is out of my expertise. <laughs> So she was honest. Yeah. I'd have been like, I'm going to fix you. I don't know how, but I'm going to fix you. uh, Yeah. I don't know that I can help here. Um, But, and then, so in some weird way, that experience, because we were both, you know, of course, taken back, like, oh my gosh, I'm very, oh, what? (laughs) Um, But in some, some ways it put us now kind of both on the same team, but I also realized I went into it wrong. I went in going, just tell me what to do. Like, give me the answers. Just tell me what to do, whatever it is. I'll do it when it really is about that person can guide you, whether it's a therapist or a life coach or your friend, whatever it is, they can guide, you know, they can guide you, but you have to do that work. And yes. And it was at that point where I thought, okay, well, I don't want to get kicked out of therapy again. So um, <laughs> I better probably dig in and do some work. And then that's really when I started looking into self-awareness and self-management and emotional. Regulation. Um, yes. Yes. And it does made this such really a huge belong difference. To me? I love that right. question. Does this really belong? Does this emotion really belong to me? Do I really feel that way? Do I yeah. Really- really want to blindfold my husband or my boyfriend right am I really that girl no I'm the girl who like steps on the toilet paper in the clubs off the other (laughs) women too like you know I'm a queen (laughs) yeah well and I think the other thing too was okay well so I feel that way Mm. that doesn't mean that I need to act on that, or it doesn't mean that it makes it true. Like we talked about in the jealousy situation, just because I think I saw what I saw, that doesn't mean that that's what happened. And even if it did, (laughs) yes, that's true. Yes. We're human. We are human. Exactly. I mean, mean, that's the part of the evolution that's so beautiful and so full 
full circle is to say there's no malicious intent behind appreciating the beauty of another human being. That's right. I mean, and we, we all look at things that we feel are beautiful, whether it's. And we should, Mm -hmm. I mean, in a non, you know, in a, just appreciating the, I I don't mean sitting there and undressing the person (laughs) with your eyes while you're there having a romantic dinner with their partner and you're drooling. Um, But on a, on a, on a normal level, I mean, you walk up to a bank teller and they're just a gorgeous human being. What are you going to do? You're going to turn away and say, nope, I'm I'm looking for someone a little less aesthetically pleasing, please. I can't handle myself. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 And that's, you know, that's, it used to even make me feel uncomfortable to watch movies where there was like naked Mm. love scenes. Same. 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 Yeah. Same. Yeah, because you don't want them to see it, you know, to see it and then have those ideas. And maybe are they going to be thinking about that? And it goes really dark. Yeah, it does. And it can and it can go there very quickly. And yeah, it's just an all around. um, It's just an all around hurtful thing, really. Yeah, for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. So how did your husband navigate this transition of you, you getting curious about what was going on? Yeah. Well, I mean, thankfully he is a very patient person. Um, and, and, and truly to be honest, you're right. Um, and truly to be honest, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, should he have stuck around? I don't know. You know, I'm thankful that he did, but, um, you know, I think just hearing my background while he couldn't understand it and he can't necessarily, necessarily relate, you know, he had enough respect for me and feelings for me to say, okay, well, you know, let's, you kind of dive into this and, and see where we go. And luckily, you know, it's these little, it was kind of this little improvement you know, one step at a time. Um, but the difference that I felt was just life-changing and so different that I think, yes. Um, so yeah, I think, um, you know, he had the patience and, um, and let me try to figure all of it out. And so I, you know, I'm thankful that he did and, it's definitely been different since. Where are you on the spectrum of jealousy now? Um, I am way better on the spectrum of jealousy. <clears throat> I can't say that it doesn't creep in from time to time, but my reaction is a hundred percent different. Um, you know, and I think everybody gets a little jealous, you know, bone here or there, Yeah, but he certainly isn't feeling like he has to walk with his head down, as you mentioned, because he <laughs> sort of felt the same way, you know? And it's emasculating too, but um, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I think a little bit of, you know, and when I sound the spectrum of jealousy, I think a little bit of jealousy is healthy in the sense of, you know, your husband usually comes home or your, your wife or your partner usually comes home at five o'clock and for the last month and a half, they've been coming home at nine and they're not telling you where they're going, you know, right. that inner knowing intuition of, 
hey babe what's going on what you doing you building us a dream house that I don't know about like <laughs> I, think, I think having some level of curiosity about what's going on with your partner is important right yeah and, and that really comes keep a little bit of the magic alive mm-hmm you yeah. know, someone's undressing you with their eyes and your partner's like, hmm, well, he wanted to take a bite out of you. You're like, yes, he did because <laughs> I'm delicious and you can laugh about it. I think that's healthy. Um, yeah. 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 And if, if you can talk with, um, your partner and, and know that, yeah, they're going to think that someone else is attractive. And again, I think it goes back to, um, you know, one of the things that I feel most guilty about is, is what I have said about other women in an example, like you gave. And, and so now to be able to be like, she's amazing and appreciate them and that person for who they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That feels good. Huh? Yeah, it does. It does. And sometimes I feel like I'm overcome. Like I catch myself telling people they're beautiful all the time. Like, oh my gosh, I love your earrings. Or, oh, you look so beautiful today. Like to people I don't know. And, you know, and sometimes I'm like, they're looking at you like you are strange. <laughs> like, am I overcompensating for all of the, yet? but no, I'm not. I'm genuine. That's my heart. That's who I am. Yeah. And everyone loves a compliment, right? Yeah. 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 And how is your self-confidence? How were you able to rebuild and getting out of that feeling of not being good enough? Because that's such a big one when it comes yeah. to childhood trauma and overcoming those limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really is digging down to those limiting beliefs. And so just one example of me not feeling worthy because my dad abandoned me. My dad doesn't speak with, you know, speak to me yeah. and going back to that and going, hang on a second, that what, what else could it be? So is there another story that could be true? And in my case, of course, um, and the story is he does love me. Um, but he has, you know, he's an alcoholic and it's a disease and, and, um, and those were his choices that he made, but it in no way signifies who I am as a person. It doesn't take away from, yeah, it doesn't define me. My past doesn't have to define what I'm going to do in the future. And I, so I think it's really getting to those stories and those limiting beliefs that you tell yourself Mm -hmm. to go, hang on a second. I, I don't have to continue to feel this way. And I think anytime you learn new skills, I'm a big, huge, it's, it's actually even in my logo, never stop learning. Cause I do feel like the, the more skills that you learn that you can bring into your personal life or your professional life, that is just a, a kickstarter for building that confidence because the important part is that you have self-confidence. So I may still from time to time go, Oh, you know, did I do a project at work? to my best ability or someone may think that, but if you're confident in yourself, um, then those things come and you, and you know how to, to brush it off and, and learn from whatever mistake you made instead of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm horrible. I stink at this. I'm no good. Those Mm -hmm. types of situations that we, that we kind of get in our head about. I love it. I actually read something just a couple of days ago that was talking about the 
the divine feminine and the divine masculine energy and how our relationships with, you know, the primary caregiver who has the masculine energy. So our fathers, how, when those dynamics and relationships are unhealthy and we either have relational, emotional, physical, or sexual trauma from our childhoods, how those limiting beliefs are actually responsible for all of the career and financial blocks that manifest themselves later in life. Yeah. And so for me, that really resonated because, you know, making quick decisions, having confidence that knowing that pushing through, moving forward, handling money, you talked about, you know, math class and multiplications and that mm-hmm. pierced through my heart because that's something I always struggled with. So all of that stems from the masculine energy and what we mirror from our, our fathers as children. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? And that was like, oh my God, all of my limiting beliefs, you know, stem back from that. And that's so true. Mm -hmm. Am I going to be good enough to run a multi-million dollar empire? Am I going to be good enough to share what I know? Do I matter? Does my voice matter? Do I have anything Mm -hmm. to contribute? Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, we do that with a lot of things and whether it's finances, those types of things, but, but when you get that self-awareness and that, and that confidence within yourself, then it's easier to go, even if you do make a mistake. So I could make a mistake with money. I could make a small mistake or a big mistake, but that's okay. Cause I'm a human and I'm going to make mistakes rather than, as I said, kind of really beating ourselves up about a mistake that we make. And we learn from our, you know, our mistakes. I don't like to use the word failure because, you know, there is no one size fits all definition of failure. Failure is just not reaching your goal. But I also believe in divine intervention and maybe that wasn't the right goal or the right situation for us, but that's how we learn and grow. I mean, I, you know, when people talk about failure, I always get, it bothers me to my core because I think how boring would life be if, you know, at the age of five or six on your birthday, you'd get this huge book and it would be like the book of life. This is exactly what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it and how you're supposed to do it. Here's the recipe. And then you die. Yeah. Right. Right. And I know we feel so hurt and there's so much heartache that comes from not reaching our goals or not feeling like, we've put in enough, but that's where you learn. It's by picking yourself off the ground and rebuilding that conviction. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, as you said, anytime that you maybe don't achieve a goal, that doesn't mean that you're not going to achieve great things or do great things, or maybe you're fine, you know, where you are. And that's okay too. Yeah. The philosophy I like to have now is that, you know what, I didn't reach that particular goal or, you know, it didn't turn out the way that I wanted because there's something greater, bigger, better. And Mm -hmm. I'm just preparing for it. I I'm just in training for it. So if, if I want something that big and that huge and that noble, then I need to learn. I need to get ready. So I'm in basic training right now. I need to learn the resilience Mm -hmm. and the skills to bounce back in order to play at that level. Yes. I I remember, um, I actually, when I was, um, 
at a corporate job and I wanted a new position and I interviewed, applied three different times. So I was rejected three different times for this new position. And I was so frustrated each time and thinking, oh my gosh, like I, you know, and trying to really figure out why is this happening? Why, you know, would this rejection keep taking place? And then it's like, oh, I got a different position. And that one was actually much better suited for me. Uh Um, You know what I, so it's like, it wasn't supposed to happen. That's why it didn't happen. Exactly. And it's hard to see in the moment sometimes. Yeah. That's why hindsight 2020, you know, it's when the storm you're able to say, okay, what was the lesson message and gift and how do we move on? And that's the part of, you know, unhealed trauma that really sucks is that when you haven't healed and excavated and examined what's keeping you stuck, you keep repeating the same mistake. So not getting that job would have brought back all of those feelings of unworthiness Mm -hmm. and not being good enough and lack of self-confidence. And then, you know, the story we tell ourselves is, of course, this always happens to me. You know, I'm just not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not intelligent enough. And we get stuck in that. Mm-hmm. And so yes, for our yes. listeners, if you have an incentive to do the work, cause it's not easy, it's not glamorous to do the work, Mm-mm. but what happens is once you get through it and you understand what's causing you to feel the way you feel about yourself, then you're able to take a step back and see if, you know, as an observer, look at every situation of your life as an observer from a panoramic view and say, okay, this is why I'm showing up this way. And you're able to bounce back faster. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I, often when we start kind of, okay, I want to work on personal development and I want to dig into these things. We want everything to just go away and be fixed all at once. Are we taking, well, I want to fix or solve this thing that's bothering me and this thing and this thing. And truly it's just taking, you know, that thing that is, on constant repeat that's showing up over and over and work on that one thing. And then you will kind of have some guideline and basis for the other things that maybe you want to address or just improve on. And we feel like, as you said, it's, it, it's, it is hard work and it takes time. Everyone's journey is different, but it does take some time. But if you compare it to how many years you've been kind of stuck in that place, you know, a year to even feel a little bit better, six months to feel just a little bit stronger and a little bit better is nothing in comparison to probably how long we've already spent. A hundred percent, you know, and every aspect of your life will benefit. You come in with one issue. You know, I work particularly with women who have chronic weight issues Um, but you come in because you think that you have an issue losing weight, but one, Mm -hmm. we, what we uncover is that what's holding you back, the self-sabotage that's holding you back from losing the weight and has been keeping you stuck for all of these years, that's manifesting itself in every other area of your life in a different way. Procrastination, um, lack of ambition, right? Low Mm self-worth, self-esteem. So you usually come in with one of the issues that you want to work right. on. Your entire life is transformed just by, by focusing in on what's holding you back. 
Yeah, that's right. It can be. Yeah, absolutely. And so what is the work that you do with adults of alcoholic parents? I'm sorry, you'll have to. No, that's okay. To repeat it. Yeah. And I don't specifically, like it's not, it's not just that it's only adult children of alcoholics. That is really, um, just my background and what I can certainly relate to. Yes, that's, (laughs) that is, uh, certainly my expertise, but, um, it's really that self-discovery, self-development, confidence, um, coaching and, all of that really starts at that self-awareness. And so it's just taking people through some exercises to say, let's dig into this a little bit. Let's increase that self-awareness and then work on the self-management. I love it. And it's contagious once you go through the process yourself. Yeah. You want to share that, that feeling of lightness Mm-hmm. lightness mm-hmm. of work. Yeah. You know, that feeling of, you don't feel so heavy all of the time. Yeah. And that's when you can really start looking outward too. Right. And I'm sure that that's part of why you do what you do, because when we're in it and you're so, you're so enthralled in your own issues and your own, I say issues, they're not issues, but in your own things that are, mm-hmm. that are coming up, right. Then you can't, you can't look outward. You can't yeah. help others. Because you're so stuck in that why me, poor mm-hmm. me, why isn't anybody helping me? You know, don't they see how much I work? Don't they realize how much I do? Mm-hmm. And that yeah. falls away. That yes. falls away. You see your entire life from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. I love it. So what is your, you know, what would your top tip be for anyone who's listening, who can relate to our stories and in some way, and they have never, you know, maybe linked uh, unhealed trauma to their situation, what would your top tip be for them to get curious and lean into exploring this idea a little bit more? Um, sure. So there's an exercise that I um, like, and it's really it's a timeline of your life. And so I think a lot of people may journal or something, but this really gives you almost a picture of certain things. And so it's super easy. If you just draw a straight horizontal horizontal line um, on a piece of paper and then start from your earliest memory and log events, these key events, anything that you felt like were were key events that may have, um, just that stand out in your mind and they can be small and they can be big, but oftentimes if, as we do that and you're, you're just writing down what that event was and kind of making a hash mark, write down what the event was all the way to current day. When you look back on it, it's, it helps to kind of see and maybe connect the dots on some things. Mm. And that's just sort of a starting point exercise to do. And it's also going to bring some awareness of the things that are sticking in your mind. Yeah. Right? I love that. Cause you're like, Hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. still bugging me. Yeah. What the, okay. Yeah. Clearly that was, was a memory. Fine. I thought it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah clearly yeah, that was a memory. 
I love that. I'm so grateful uh, for your time and your energy, Shannon. Where can our listeners learn more about you? Yeah. Um, so they can certainly listen to the Top Self podcast. Um, but if um, you wanted to reach me, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at, and it's at your top self. I love or, it. Yeah. I, my pleasure being here. I am so grateful. I really enjoyed this conversation and all of your details and information will be in the show notes for our listeners to go take a peek. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode. To learn more about Shannon, please check out the show notes.